0: World's Your Oyster. What's up, everybody? You're listening to World's Your Oyster, the podcast where we are telling inspirational stories that resonate. And I'm your host, Paula Sanders. And you guys, it has been a bit of an intense couple of weeks. I actually ended up in the hospital a few days ago. I had a very bad allergic reaction to something. And this was the third time this happened over the last six months. So given the fact that I went into like full anaphylactic shock, it was time to get to the bottom of it and figure out what was going on. And I did receive a kind of crazy diagnosis. Let's just take it back one step. If you know me, you know that working out is one of the very few luxuries that I get to enjoy in my life. It's one of the only joys that I have left because I no longer drink. I hardly go out anymore. And my life's just pretty much a bore. So working out is like the one thing I have. And after going to visit a doctor and doing a like, full blood panel, it turns out that I am actually one of the very few people in the world that is allergic to exercise. Yes, you heard that right. I have what they call exercise anaphylaxis, which is a very rare condition that essentially means that sometimes you really don't have any rhyme or reason to when this is going to happen, but your body will go into anaphylactic shock after an intense workout. So Now that I have my diagnosis, I have not been instructed to change anything about the way that I live my life. I can still work out. I just had to have an EpiPen on me at all times, and it is suggested that I don't work out alone. So, anyway, I have just been kind of coming off of the back heels of that and thinking about how ironic it is that that is what my diagnosis is. And you know what? That's just the problem I always said this week is that life is freaking funny and you just have to roll with the punches. I'm really happy that I am alive and safe and well, and that my diagnosis wasn't something more intense and that I could live my life as I was doing so. But guys, can you believe this? I am freaking allergic to exercising. FML. (laughs) So I'm happy to have you here again for another week of World's Your Oyster. And this week, we're going to be meeting with a very fun, young founder that I find to just be completely inspirational by the way that she chooses to lead her company. This week on World Your Oyster, we are meeting with Julianne Frazier. And Julianne Frazier started her company, Dialogue NYC, which is a digital marketing agency where they focus mostly on influencer marketing. Julianne has been in the influencer marketing space from the very beginning. So she has become one of the most trusted voices in this space. But like I said, the way that she chooses to lead her company... It's just different. It's different than any other way that I've heard anybody doing things. She really seems to be like someone who treats her employees like they are actual humans. And she gives them the space to be the creative souls that they are. She gives them the space to dive into their passions. And I really think that this conversation is one that's going to resonate with you no matter what industry you're in, if you're interested in influencer marketing or not. And she's also a young mom. So it's just so nice to hear from a woman that is doing so many things at such a young age. So Without further ado, let's welcome Julianne Frazier to World Your Oyster. Julianne, welcome to World Your Oyster. Thank you. I'm so excited to, to to have you here. And as you know, we're doing like the number one thing that they say you shouldn't do before a podcast, as we were chatting. But it's so crazy that we haven't met because we have these. Parallel world, Actually, I tell yeah. you, I'm also a Libra, which I know. Oh, I love it. You're yes, a Libra. Libra
1: energy. My closest <laughs> friends are Libras. I love it. A lot of
0: mine too, and and I just I find Libras to be like such interesting people. And we also went to FIT, and mm-hmm. you know, we took these different routes. And I think that that's one of the incredible things about New York City is we all have these interesting journeys. And I'm so excited to really learn more about yours because you have done what I. Always said that I would never do is start my own business because I know, yes, it could be this incredible, beautiful thing, but it's also this all-consuming yeah. thing. Yeah. So I would love to just, you know, kind of start at the beginning of your journey, but love to learn how you got the idea to start Dialog and what were the steps that you took to get started? Yeah, so I'm originally from Western
1: Canada, born and raised there and finished my first degree until, you know, I was in my early twenties. And like you said, moved over to FIT and moved to New York when I was 21 and sort of just from there happened to fall into this role within social media marketing. And at the time, like Instagram had just launched, there's no such thing as influencers. Digital marketing was really not a part of a brand's marketing mix and certainly not social media. So I was able to kind of fly under the radar Mm -hmm. and, build strategies. At the time, it was with Ian Schrager Hotels, a really, really iconic creators of uh, boutique hotels, ultimately. And I was able to just kind of craft, test and try. Nobody was paying attention. Right. And it was exciting because my career grew really rapidly because all of a sudden it went from, you know, being the coordinator in the broom closet to the CEO saying, okay, well, we need someone to explain to us this ever-changing world of social media and getting invited to, you know, the executive table at a really young age. So it was exciting in that sense because it felt really rapid and quick. But what I learned along the way and through, you know, some great mentors of mine was just the importance to build up that foundation of, of marketing experience and the breadth of you know marketing to to be able to launch my company so many years later. So it wasn't something that happened really early on. I, I built my career over seven years in different varying aspects of marketing. And it wasn't something I even anticipated to do. I never thought I'd be an entrepreneur to start a company. <laughs> um, I just kind of
0: fell into it by chance. Yeah. So Did you feel that when you were having those initial conversations, when you were in hospitality with the C-suite, that you had to talk them into this social media thing or did they get it right away?
1: Yeah, I think at the beginning it was scoffed at uh, and not really taken seriously. I would say... But they hired you anyway, so they knew
0: they had to do it.
1: It's sort of like, listen, I, I, I guess we have to get on this social media train, but it wasn't really... No, it certainly was not taken seriously back then. But I think the big shift was really mainly around the start of COVID, actually, where... Um, Consumers were now at home, online, primarily connecting through social media, Mm. and brands' marketing strategies just halted from retail, in-person events, experiential, all the way to solely digital. And, And with all the changes in the social space through algorithms and platform changes influencers reign supreme because it was a way to break through all of that noise. So in a cheaper way. In a at that cheaper, time anyway, certainly, yeah. I don't know if it is anymore. Efficient. But <laughs> I mean, even to this day, I think I've never seen influencer marketing take as much importance in the, in the six years I've had my company, the 10 years I've been doing this. So it's only growing in momentum, but I think throughout my whole career, I had to grow some thick skin because even to this day, there's a lot of educating around the right approach to it. And there's a lot of distrust, um, in such a new tactic. So that started really early on in my career. And I always had to really find a way to connect with whoever it was, either the CEO or the head of finance or the people making these decisions and translate this in a way for them to understand. And still that, you know,
0: a lot of uh, that situation today as well. So talk to me about the first, like, three to six months, because I find that all so interesting as someone who, you know, like I said, going into a business just seems like the scariest thing to me, even though I know it can be one of the most brilliant and liberating things. So like, what happens? You get yourself some Wi Fi. you get a phone number. (laughs) Do you open an office? Do you start in your apartment? What did you
1: do? You know, it's so interesting. I, Really, I like to say I did everything underground for the first year. Mm -hmm. And for a marketer who I am like trained in launching and building (laughs) brands and being public facing, it was kind of ironic that I didn't do any of that. I started with a Squarespace. Like email address and website. Same here. (laughs) um, And a a beautifully designed PDF that explained my capabilities and whatnot. I dug into my network and I launched with three clients that were previous relationships. So Shiseido, um, a previous boss of mine was the VP of marketing at Shiseido. She gave me a chance when I was just a consultant by myself launching dialogue. But no, I didn't have, you know, a social strategy. I didn't have PR. I didn't have Branding really even around my brand, I just focused on doing exceptional work and building up my reputation, and I did it all. So I was at home; I didn't have an office half the time. I was probably working on in my robe, like. And this was before
0: work from home, so this was like this was really early on,
1: totally. And and I remember the first day when I had come from an agency where I was receiving hundreds of emails a day to opening up my laptop the first day. And there wasn't a single email in my inbox. And I thought, oh my God, what did I do? do? Like, (laughs) I need to get going on. Like, how am I going to, you know? And so it was a scary transition, but I think I didn't put a lot of pressure on myself. I thought, okay, I've locked these three clients into, I think at the time it was a three month commitment from their work. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'm going to give this a go. I have the you know, revenue to last me three months to pay my bills and whatnot, and we'll see how it goes. And, there, you know, I always knew I could fall back on finding a, a full-time job and going back in-house. So it very much started in a very humble way on
0: my own, without a team, without an office, just focusing on doing great work. And what do you think really drove you? Aside from yes, you wanted to create these unique dialogues and and have this like trifecta of uh, ways about going about putting the uh, the marketing together. But what do you what do you think drove you? Essentially, is what I'm trying to ask. A really great question. I
1: think. <laughs> I mean, I think I saw opportunity, and I was. I had a lot of trust in my abilities to do the work. Yeah. But to answer your question honestly, I think along the way. I came across a boss that told me I couldn't. That couldn't? <laughs> yeah, that I couldn't. And I just, I am so, I got so fired up and I was like, you don't think I can do this? I'm going to prove to you I can't do it. So I, tell me I can't do it over and over and over again, over six years. Like, tell me it's impossible. I'm going to prove to you I can. Not to say that's like a positive <laughs> motivation, but really that was the premise where it was, uh, you know, someone that I really admire saying,
0: you have, you know, no ability to do this. And when I just thought, okay, great, I'm going to go do it. <laughs> and that was before you started. Yeah. It says a lot about your character. I know you said you think that it feels like a negative part, but I yeah. think that it, it shows such a strong, it's like such a strong character trait of you to kind of take something like that and to be able to look at what you've been able to build. Yeah, so, definitely. and And I think that says a lot too, like, to your clients from their perspective. Like, because I think that some of this, especially now, given that this market is so saturated, mm-hmm. a lot of it does feel like you're being tasked with the impossible, especially mm-hmm. with these algorithms that you can't control. But, yeah. you know, I would want somebody in control of my business or, you know, of that aspect of my, the marketing of my business that Completely. has that kind of, you know, mindset and is yeah. able to to kind of pillage through yeah, that. Yeah.
1: I think I, I always had it. It definitely grew and we'll chat through is starting with my business coach just over three years ago. Yeah. He shifted my mindset massively, but I think I always had it. Innately in me. And it's really taught me from day one the importance of how I mentor and treat my team members. Mm -hmm. They mean the world to me. And I put so much time and effort into making sure that, you know, they're personal goals and growth trajectory are really taken care of. And I've just learned from the importance of that one statement that someone said to me, Mm. how discouraging it was. And so just ensuring that I would never foster that, you know, culture within my company
0: was important to me. I love that. And let's talk about growing the company, right? So you start as one person, you've got one email in your inbox. So (laughs) when do you decide that you're going to make your first hire and who is, or what is that first hire?
1: Yeah, it was probably six months so at the very beginning, I had three clients. We were doing a lot of in-kind influencer work. So I was doing everything from pulling emails, emailing hundreds of influencers a month, handling their shipping addresses, sending tracking, key messaging, really from A to Z, every single aspect. I just throughout my you're Canadian, <laughs> <laughs> I came out um, ten years later. I can't I can't break it. So many, um, but I think what was so amazing is. Approaching things humbly at the beginning and doing it all yourself as a founder, mm. and not getting too high and mighty of like I need to hire immediately. I understood my company and still to this day, inside and out, every single aspect. When I hire someone, junior, senior, whatever it might be, I've done the work myself, and I know where there's opportunities to grow, to become more efficient. And I think you know when when people think about launching their own companies, they have this notion of being a entrepreneur and and having this you know immense team, but I think you really have to roll up your sleeves and do the work first. Yeah. So I was, you know, on my own for six months. And then I brought on a, a dear friend, a family friend of ours. She was, um, risky. In college. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it is risky, but she's so fantastic. She was in college at the time and could work part-time and really just helped me with a lot of the logistics
0: and execution. So that was- More administrative. Yes. Um, so it's like, that was like a utilitarian hire. Yeah. Like you needed an extra set of hands. Yes. Exactly. And just all the
1: things that could, you know, to be outsourced when it came Mm to um, curation and outreach. She stayed with me for two years, so I was able to really mentor her into a more senior role, but started off, you know, I would say as an internship. And then I think my next hire was a woman named Kelly, who's been with me almost five years now. Um, Wow. Incredible. She was a student at FIT when I was guest lecturing there and came up to me after the, the class and has been instrumental in in helping me grow dialogue. But it really was a a pretty steady growth trajectory, Uh, started with two of us, three of us. And then I would say probably in the last
0: year it scaled up. We're a team of 10 now. So, but it, it's been pretty progressive over yeah. the years. And now the people that you have working with you, are they working more on the social aspects of the business or do you have like a C-suite already? Yeah. Um, so what's interesting is in working with my business coach, Ben. So when you decide to bring on a business coach, how many years are you in, in, into the business and years, and what was it that you think made you make this decision? So it was. It was three years
1: in, and by all intents and purposes, dialogue was very successful, profitable, growing, great reputation. Check, check, check. Yeah, I felt really bored. Oh, and that's where it that's started. So I was like, we. I've done this now for three years. You know, we we have this. We were growing our roster. This fitting. is so
0: Libra of you, by the way. Yeah. I had to stop you. Like, really? because, oh my God, the sounds, sounds like exactly like me. Yeah. I'm like, everything's going great. Let me just blow everything yeah, up because I, like, need I need up. something else. I need something else. I always call it rattling the cage. I say, yes, yeah. 100%. Hence why we have this podcast. Yes, exactly.
1: <laughs> and so it was so interesting because I started my first chat with him. He was referraled by my good friend, Madison Mutendahl, who was working with him. And again, I was like, I'm not big enough to warrant a business coach. Like, I'm not a top, you know. And I think that's, again, a story you tell yourself of like, I don't need. But in working with him, he made me realize all these limiting beliefs I had around my company. So at the time I was living between New York and Paris, six weeks, six weeks going back and forth. Sounds
0: so chic. <laughs> and
1: and, it, and then I was telling myself, you know, I have to be on till 2 a.m. Paris time. I have to be available by text 24-7 to my clients. They won't think I'm serious if I'm not living in New York. This was pre-COVID. So it was before the comfort level of remote work. So I was Petrified that I would lose clients, that were thinking I wasn't serious, being in Paris, and the yada yada yada, all these stories. Why do you think telling. you had
0: the limiting beliefs, or like, and do you feel like you're
1: over I those at this point? Yeah, definitely okay. because of working with him. Um, I think it's growing up. I mean, I came to New York at 21, but I grew my career in New York, and yeah. there's this hustle and grind narrative. You know, I, I distinctly remember at one of my jobs, pretending to type till 9 p.m. I was done. I was efficient. I was done my work at 4 p.m. Yeah. I should have left then and there, but showing face and, and hustle culture, you know, hustle culture. And so I was telling myself, you know, this really, New York's such a competitive space and our industry is a competitive space. There's lots of, you know, consultants and agencies out there. Um, and so I just had this petrified notion that if I make one slip up, I'm going to lose my reputation, lose my clients. And he helped me little by little to start to break down those stories I was telling myself and kind of rewrite the narratives. So it's over yeah. three years that slowly I was able to rewrite it, but also the limiting beliefs in in capping potential. So I thought, if I'm able to achieve five clients, you know, as a, a small business owner, x amount of revenue, that's success. That's the you know the the greatest uh, achievement I can make, and he said, okay, well, what's your next goal? Like write your wish list of of the next level. I said, well, I would never hit this level of revenue, but fine, we'll put it on. And then I hit it. And then the next one was like, okay, you've achieved that. What's your next goal? And so he helped me really recognize. And even to this day, I still work with him where I'm coming in. I'm like, Ben, I think I'm just scratching the surface. I think there's more, like, I think we can do more and more and more. And he's really reframed the way I think about growth that, you always kind of think that you're plateauing at a certain degree. And that's where the boredom comes, where you're just like, oh, I'm I'm everything's great. Yeah. But there's always a next level to work towards. And I think it's very much your thoughts that stop you from getting there.
0: I was just gonna say it sounds like he helped you build confidence in your manifestations almost that yeah, like he helped definitely. you also like with that visualization of what success really does look Mm -hmm. like. I think it's so hard, especially when you are a young founder, even myself, even though I know in 36, I feel like I'm like, I'm so young to have these lofty, lofty goals. Right. And it's like almost hard to visualize these things, but if you're not going to visualize it, who is, and you're, you're the one that needs to be the, well, obviously there's so many other factors, but like you need to put out into the world and into the universe, exactly what you want back from it. Because if you're vague about it, you're going to get back some vague feedback, And I feel like I've had these beliefs since I was a teenager. I've
1: always, and my friends would always make fun of me for being the like woo-woo positivity (laughs) vision board. But what's funny is like jokes on anyone who's going to make fun because it works. Yeah, and, And I can see how it can be really challenging for someone to even attempt it because, you know, the notion of like create a vision board and everything will come true. But when you start to like put your energy towards things and do it and really like, believe in the possibility of it. And then it starts to come true. The roadmap for your intentions. Yeah. In a way. And it really, and so I think it's such a, like as much as we're, you know, very skilled at what we do, we have a great reputation, yada, yada, yada. Very much, like the key to success, I think, in entrepreneurship is just having that kind of like blind belief in mm. yourself. Mm. Um, <laughs> and not always, because certainly there's imposter syndrome. You doubt yourself. That is 100% part of it. And even still to this day, it's not like you overcome that. You still are, you know, insecure in certain elements of the business because as an entrepreneur, all of a sudden, you now have to be HR, finance, accounting. And I'm like, whoa, I'm a marketer. How did I become, you know. And
0: take out the trash and order the
1: toilet paper. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, I think it's a, it's like a fine balance, but that really was what unlocked sort of growth for
0: me. And then once you got past these limiting beliefs and the the boredom, you know, obviously mm-hmm. you you grew your business, and I'm sure you weren't bored again. Yeah. How do you feel now that you're on the other side of that? And do you feel like there's anything else that has crept in? As I'm sure this is oh, like, yeah. you know, it's going to be a journey for a really long time until it's over. Of course.
1: Well, I think the biggest hurdle in the and the change I made early on working with Ben was this biggest story and limiting belief was. it's only me who can do that. I'm the only one who Mm. can handle client relationships. I'm the only one that can do the strategy work that we do. I could tell you a slew of stories I was telling myself. Gotta let people fly. And you would be like, really? Like, I don't know. I think there's people. And I was like, nah, Ben, you just don't know. Like, the clients want to work with me. That's why they're here. And so, Slowly, I'd say in, in the last two years, I really started to bring on some exceptional team members, yeah. empower them, train them, spent a lot of time training them what's in my head, how we approach client personalities, relationships, like the strategy behind our work. You know, all of my years of experience I was passing on to this team, but it was so incredible to see like I'm no longer part of any of the client Management, the day to day work, the strategy work. I'm very much focused on growth of the consultancy and innovation and things that we can be doing to kind of level up the industry. And I have the most exceptional team who are empowered and really like love what they're doing. So that was the biggest change when we talk about when I first started being bored. It's because I was not allowing anybody else in to do the work. And so of course you get bored because you were stuck at this level. If yeah. you're going to do it over and over and
0: over Completely and not be unable to grow if yeah. you're doing everything. Exactly. And how good do you feel when you're in a meeting and you hear your team pitching so and you proud. hear them saying like almost exactly what you would have yes. said but kind of better. They're <laughs> so much better. I know. And I learned this actually
1: my biggest my biggest Moment was, I had a daughter a year and a half ago, and it was petrifying to plan for maternity leave as a founder. Except, like my biggest fear, I think, throughout the six years of having dialogue, of like everything's going to fall apart, like you know, and I can't be completely offline. And I so desperately wanted that time for myself and for my daughter, and so I ended up taking a five week maternity, which in retrospect was short, but I was grateful for that time. Yeah, five weeks. Yeah, it was very short. (laughs) Yeah, it was so short. (laughs) another
0: one for no, two years after our second birthday. You deserve I it. I know. I know. <laughs> to me,
1: that was like an eternity at the time. But coming back after that, our client relationships were better. We won four new clients. We grew immensely in terms of our new business, the quality of our strategies that were far better because now we have six brains on them, not just my, you know, ideas and yeah. and my point of view. And they do such a better job than I do on all these elements. And so not only empowering and teaching people to your point, yes, I'm so proud when I hear, you know, their thought process, I'm like, oh, that I was proud to have passed that sort of strategy along. But when they are, you know, bringing their wisdom to the table, our work is so much better. So it's a scary thing as a founder to like, relinquish, control, and trust people. And you have to find the right people to do so, uh, which is in in itself a whole nother challenge of hiring and really, you know, finding the right people that have their heart in it. Mm. But it's just, it's what I'm most proud of is my team, really.
0: And now how have you been able to cultivate and find these incredible people? I know you said you like to hire women and you have, it's an all-female team, right? yeah. So how did you go about finding this talent and what are kind of the key markers and things that you look for? I mean, made many mistakes along the way. Let's just be clear. Like it's we not like do, this yeah. for sure. Because mm-hmm. I think at the
1: beginning, again, prior to working with Ben, I was hiring off of skill. I was looking for people who had concrete uh, experience that could translate um, mm-hmm. directly to our work. And in oftentimes focusing only on skill, you are bypassing the importance of someone's drive, someone's personality, someone's values, and really in building a team and a community that's the starting point you can teach and train a lot of the skill set but i think what was so important is just making sure that i hired people that were passionate about what we were doing and not just seeing it as a job to clock in clock out made that mistake across the board people that respected our approach and how we were taking it made that mistake across the board i mean there were so many different things um and so over time just started to really shift the way i was thinking about looking for new hires. And then also just making sure that when I did bring them on board, I listened and, and it wasn't just this, here's your job, get the work done. That's it. It yeah. was, where do you want to go? Yeah. And and with Ben also identifying what he calls individuals zone of genius, like each person is so different on my team. And if they all had to follow the exact same growth trajectory, they would be miserable because one person is outstanding at, you know, client relationships and chit-chatting with clients and building that Another is unbelievable with systems. And Mm -hmm. so they have these different skill sets and they're, you know, growing in seniority, but they're not pigeonholed into these like linear, typical agency growth models that you
0: see. And I'm sure they also feel empowered because they also can see like there's multiple ways for them to get up the ladder. I think that when you see somebody else, like for me, I've always said, if I'm in a place where I can see who I want to be, In five to ten years, that's actually, like, an alarm bell for me. Yeah. Because it's like, okay, do I have to wait for that person to either get out or die? (laughs) Totally. Do you know? Like, it's it's one of those things. So, so it's like, for me, I want to know that, like, this is a place where I can, yes, I can see it, but I can also create it. And that is, like, so much more inspirational for me than, like, saying, okay, so I want to take this traditional track up the ladder up. And I want to go from, you know, head up to director to VP to president to to CEO. You know, like, I mean, I hope, but yeah, like, but it's totally. like you almost, you want to be able to create that narrative for yourself and to be able to work up the ladder for sure. on your own terms. And from a business owner's
1: perspective, when you put people in these super, super strict, like growth trajectories, you're capping your business potential. It's okay. You could maybe take on three more clients, six more clients, whatever it might be. If someone grows up that, you know, you can grow literally, but by empowering people to do what they do best, you know, we have a team member who's crafting a huge system and platform and program for us, which is going to entirely innovate the way we can operate as a company. And so like a CRM type of a thing yeah. or okay. it's, it's really, I'm, we're super excited. We're launching it actually tomorrow. Oh, this is the, yes, yeah, yes. Your, your team told yeah. me about this.
0: Yes. We should definitely talk about and, that.
1: And what's really exciting is like I couldn't have told you this was going to be a thing even six months ago, but really in empowering Kelly on my team, the the girl who's been with us for five years and, you know, letting her bring to me the opportunities of where we could be more efficient, where we could offer more value to our clients rather than just keeping her in this very linear client management client execution whatever it might be yeah. we're now expanding and able to take on a whole new level of clients at a larger scale higher volume global scale and it's it's super super exciting because like you said you really allowed that person to come to you with hey this is where i could grow here's how the company could grow mm. so yeah i've seen not only the benefit from the empowerment and engagement of team members when you take that approach from a leadership perspective, but also just the impacts on the business. Are and they're going to be incredible.
0: so much more loyal to you if, yeah. if you give them that autonomy, which is amazing. Well, yeah, since right. we touched upon it, what is Dial-In? Yeah, so ultimately we have been in this industry for
1: many years. And so what the kind of overarching belief of Dialog's approach has been really focused in relationships. Mm-hmm. And so because influencer marketing has scaled up so immensely over the last few years, a lot of the authenticity and relationship component to campaigns have fallen to the wayside. So you see these cringeworthy hashtag ads, you see influencers reading off of scripts, you see really, really, you know, just inauthentic collabs of a partner who clearly has never even tried the product, doesn't know what it might be. And so from the beginning, we've always really been very, very passionate about avoiding that approach, but we found a way through Dial-In to do our very human creative approach at scale. So we're inviting in um, agents at at top agencies from CAA and DBA and Shine and whatnot at UCA to be part of this program, Dial-In, where they will receive a monthly drop email of all of the campaigns that we're managing across our clients. So You know, we're managing anywhere from $25,000 a month for certain clients up to $2 million projects for other clients. So we're working at really, really high volume of paid campaigns. But in doing the approach of pitching an agent and then negotiating and going through all of these steps it's really slowed us down. So this way, if you're part of our, you know, vetted program, we'll send you out the opportunities for seed probiotics and love wellness and Maison Kitsune and all of our clients and the mm. campaigns we're working on. And what we're asking is for the agents to step up to the table and really provide us with meaningful proposals on behalf of their talent. So, so often, their, oh,
0: got it. oftentimes okay. like,
1: we'll just receive like a PDF of their, who they rep, but has your talent tried Sakara Life? Do you enjoy the product? Do you believe in like organic, like plant-based diets, whatever it might be? So we're asking them to submit their talent with a proposed campaign with a really thoughtful scope to the project and the benefit to the agents and influencers is an always on first access to yeah. a ton of paid opportunities. Am- amazing for the influencers. It's huge. Yeah. But on the flip side, we're offering our clients, like we're kind of forcing all of our collaborators to, if you want to be part of this program and have access to, you know, the amazing programs we're working on, we insist they have to be authentic and creative collaborations and we want the influencers to come to the table and say, this is why, here's what I propose,
0: and really kind of like lead the the creative process. Oh wow, this is so cool. I mean I feel like they're everybody's gonna benefit a little bit, which is great. Yeah. Well I know you're a new mom and your daughter's about a year and a half. Yes. Yeah. Well congratulations, number one. Mm -hmm. And I would just love to know, you know, how has becoming a mother changed the way that you lead your team. Yeah. I mean, so I
1: think like I mentioned the planning for my maternity was a huge, huge, we, we started prepping with the leaders on my team probably six months in advance of like, okay, what well, wow well, for five
0: weeks. I know. I'm like, like, wow. Okay. <laughs> like we were talking,
1: you know, I was really trying to create structures and ways for my thought process and the questions I would ask, um, in guiding them to be sort of more automatic over those times. So that really shifted and grew my company immensely because it got me out of the day-to-day and really empowered them to take the reins. So that was sort of like one impact. But I also think that it shifted my approach in, I think when I first started Dialogue, I was just so eager to grow, take on any opportunity that landed on my desk. So grateful for any referral Mm. and really fell into some pretty terrible client relationships over the years. I mean, we've worked with over a hundred different brands, but, you know, a handful of them have been not great experiences. And I think now as a mother, my priorities, because, you know, my time is now spread across family life and still taking care of myself and doing what makes me feel like myself and then really nurturing my business. And you're just more thoughtful with your um, Time. time. And that's translated to the clients we take on. So now I'm very, very you know, picky with the type of clients that we bring on and ensure that their values align with ours, that they're going to treat my team with respect, that we're going to have this collaboration, that they're thinking long-term and that they really like value the way we approach this industry. So I think that was a big shift where it was less fear of, oh my God, I'm going to lose clients and more confidence in, you know, what we offer and get more out of the clients that I have. Definitely. So I think that was a big shift also, interestingly, I mentioned early on that I've always been this believer of manifesting and, and positivity and, and, you know, growth. I recently came across, it was a podcast where there was a professor of Harvard and he focused on happiness at, at Harvard. That was his sort of specialization. And he brought up the notion of the anti-bucket list. And this kind of goes hand in hand with being a mother and sort of my, my priorities in life where I would always have these lofty bucket lists and goals each quarter. And his notion was continue to do that. That's wonderful. But write your list and cross it off because if you achieve XYZ goals, that's fantastic. And that is motivating and, Amazing. But if you don't, it's in recognizing that I'm so happy right here today. And I think so many times myself, but I see a lot of people around me in New York where it's more, 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 more. It's not good enough. Continue to, you know, grow. And growth is a value of mine. So I will never be the person to just be stagnant. But I think what I learned over time, especially as a mother, is like, just being so grateful for where you are in life and what you have. And sometimes in retrospect, you'll look back and be like, God, that was, you know, I I never want that for myself. So I have my bucket list and they're (laughs) lofty goals, but like they're crossed out because it's not this like, all or nothing, you know, my happiness depends on achieving that.
0: If you're so busy chasing everything, you're going to miss it all. Like that's always the... And the process, it's like doing the
1: work that's most exciting
0: and fun. And, you know, it's
1: not about getting to an end goal of a revenue, you know, point or number of clients or whatever the goal might be. It's about, you know, the process of getting there, which is the most exciting part.
0: Well, what is still motivating you at this time? Like, what are you most excited for...
1: Yeah, I mean, I think with the launch of Dial-In comes a lot of exciting opportunities because I think we're in a stage of of the industry where influencer marketing is a rocket ship to the moon. The amount of investments that brands are putting into this tactic. And also we're getting smarter and more efficient in the way that we approach it. But I still think that there's so much inauthenticity. There's so much fatigue for consumers that are seeing, yes. you know, so like just the slew, especially with like these new, you know, platform e-commerce opportunities. It's just getting very, very stagnant and stale. And so what I'm really excited about is demonstrating that. You to find the solution. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a way to, yeah. it, and, and it's funny because I, I always have said this from day one of that, like, And it's this horrible buzzword of authenticity, but you can't get around it. And I think a lot of performance marketers will roll their eyes and be like, no, 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 it's all about performance metrics and driving revenue. And and it's just like one-on-one of marketing. If someone has to genuinely love their product like really speak about it over long-term, be like true ambassadors of the brand. These one-off kind of flash in a pan hashtag ad collaborations don't work. And if they do, it's, you know, you find a unicorn once in a blue moon. Yeah. So it's something I've always been, you know, really passionate about and looking forward. I just see so much opportunity to really kind of expand the way we do
0: this because it feels very unique in the industry. Very cool. Six years, right? Yes. What do you think the biggest lesson that you've learned is in the six years oh that you've gosh. been? my gosh. Oh, how do I pick one? In the game. <laughs> you know, it's
1: not necessarily a lesson, but just sort of a reinforcement in my beliefs that as I grow my business, you can see that there's opportunities along the way to lose integrity. And I see other business owners or clients or whatnot in their business practices. And integrity is like just of utmost importance to me in the way that we conduct our work in the way that we build relationships with clients in the way that we build relationships with influencers all of this just being transparent and and having integrity and I think that's something to me that I, I recently was connected with someone, a really high profile uh, businesswoman who was wanting to, to partner with Dialog. And I was very honored because it mm. was, I'm like, and she said, you know, I've reached out and was requesting for recommendations of, of individuals in the influencer world. And your name came up 15 times between wow. my community of VCs, startup founders, company owners, marketers. And to me, I think that's the biggest compliment I've ever received in six years, more so than any other, you know, metric of success, because, you know, she said, people say that you're excellent at what you do, but that you're a kind person, you're great to work with, and your team is wonderful to work with. And I'm just like, that to me is all that matters. Mm -hmm. And so I think I've learned just not to ever overestimate that. And as I continue to grow dialogue, there will be decisions that, you know, I've seen other agency founders scale up massively and quickly and, and grow mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and lose that integrity along the way. So I think that's just something that's so important to me. Um, yeah. What a compliment. It really, I was like so <laughs> taken away, and it's something yeah. so simple. It's like I quit it's just, now. <laughs> it's just a referral, you know. It's yeah. Not, it's not press. It's not all these outward-facing things that feel really exciting. It's actually a like real validation. Yeah. Word from of fifteen,
0: knows. your name got said in fifteen rooms. Yeah. Where like you She's know like, when they was becoming comical at a point. She's yeah. Like, I had to, to find I was this like, woman. Wow. that's wow. So awesome. That's that is so that is awesome. I I want to get that compliment one day. <laughs> Since you are mentoring, not just your team, but I'm sure you're mentoring other women, do you find that there is like one bit of advice that you continually are giving? I hope it's not cliche, but truly, again, along with integrity is relationships.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think in a time of you know COVID working remotely or digital primarily, we're meeting our clients less in person or we're meeting influencers less in person or whatnot. And I think it's so easy to kind of skim over that aspect of relationship building. And so I'm always sharing with my team and with any sort of young individuals starting off in their career, the importance of simple things like a handwritten letter, like that feels so antiquated, but I, at Dialogue's sixth anniversary, I handwrote wrote personally, not just like, thanks, like whatever, yeah. really personalized notes to over 50 or 60 of the people have helped me along the way from like a professor back in Canada to my first client at Shiseido um, who gave me a chance to, you know, a a client who's referred me 10 different, you know, brands along the way. And I think oftentimes it's easy to just kind of forget about those small notions or those relationships, but it's so incredible how my boss at Lacoste led to my first, you know, a huge Shiseido, a huge client when I first launched Dialogue. My boss, when I was a unpaid intern back at FIT, gave me the opportunity to work with Adidas along the way. A client that there's you some know, mega brands, by yeah, the way. And and, and and that started with just me as an intern at her company. And so you never underestimate, you know, the, the relationship. And even if someone is junior and not like valuable, like I just think that there's so much of this kind of like you're not concerned about individuals and i can't tell you the amount of times where New york is a teeny tiny industry you never know where teeny, people are tiny. going you never know <laughs> and and to burn a bridge it will come full circle yeah. and and also to not give someone respect because they're junior they'll be senior eventually people grow you know? and, and pretty
0: quickly yeah. it's like you know yeah. yeah maybe five years age difference or whatever or years of experience is big yeah. in the beginning but you know what in 10 years from now it's actually nothing and that person could yeah. be your boss one day so
1: totally and i think like simple things i just had a, a long-term client of ours refer a new client we just signed the contract I sent her a bouquet of flowers it's easy to forget of that one email referral but that means the world and that that helps grow dialogue so yeah. really taking the time to you know nurture those relationships and i think oftentimes young individuals will come up to me and say, how do I find a mentor? How do I network? (laughs) And it's really not about that. It's just about genuine relationships. You don't have to be outgoing and like the person who can enter in a room and handshake and talk to everyone. There's ways to network and build your network in New York in a way that feels authentic. But that to me is like the most important aspect.
0: And I mean, there's so many resources too. Like so many people reach out to me, like, how do I get a mentor? Like, I'm like, honestly, listen to podcasts. Yeah. (laughs) Like there's so many online digital resources. Like I never had a mentor, not by choice. I just, it's just never, I've never reached out. You know, I've always kind of been, I don't know, also very Libra of me, but like Mm -hmm. I've always just wanted to like carve my own way. But I am a huge consumer of books. Mm podcasts. I mean, like I am constantly educating myself all the time. And I think that's just as valuable. Yes. I think it's important to like be able to find somebody that's in your kind of realm of career to, Mm -hmm. you know, understand what steps they took. But ultimately at the end of the day, like you're responsible of the decisions that you're going to make. So I think just like, if you're afraid to ask somebody for mentorship, just like get it yourself. Like there's so much information out there. It's so interesting because
1: I own a digital marketing consultancy. So you would assume that like, my team should be 24-7 online, on TikTok, on Instagram, like just plugged in, which they are not 24-7, certainly. Like I'm very strict around- Are you ever skeptical? Kind of like, are you actually
0: working or are you just oh, sitting no, on
1: TikTok? <laughs> I trust them immensely because they should be on TikTok, honestly. But That's it's their the work.
0: Oh my God. But
1: we instilled a book club, a concrete hard copy book club, uh love. once a month podcast club. So I would have to get your recommendations the ones you love for all of my team oh, so to read and or listen to. And we come back and discuss and we also do monthly creative mornings where each team member is given paid time off for the morning just to do something that inspires them, but entirely offline. And it could be like going to a museum or seeing a morning matinee movie. How did or you like, think
0: to do this? This is so brilliant. we're
1: creative marketers and we're in this echo chamber. If I'm asking my team to come up with like a brilliant creative TikTok campaign for right. their camp, for a they client. They need to get out there into the world. And it's the same sounds. It's the same, you know, outfit of the day. It's exact same. Get ready with me. It's exact same notions. And we can just copy our clients, competitors campaigns and submit it. Or you would be shocked at like, you know, one team member will read the New York times front to back. Then another team member will go out to a movie. One will go to a new art gallery and they'll come back and say like, Hey, I saw this really cool, you know, like architectural, idea, wouldn't that be great in this campaign? Or how about a photo shoot here? What about partnering with this artist? And it's unbelievable the amount of creativity that has come. So you mentioned, you know, mentoring and, and finding those resources. But I also think for individuals in creative spaces, don't forget, you might be a digital marketer, but you're a creative at heart and you have to get offline to find inspiration. You cannot find it in the echo chambers of social media
0: yeah. only. Wow, you are a fantastic boss. I oh, wish that I worked you. for you. <laughs> I mean, it's just so smart. It's so brilliant. And I think that people also like, you need that time too. Oh, you need that time to get re-inspired. To yeah, yeah, like it's so, I love that. And I love that you kind of create this little community with your team. Yeah. I'm, I'm part of a book club. And uh, it. it's it's just so fun because you know, it gives you this time. Like Because you're not just like BS. Like, yes, you're BSing a little bit too. Yeah. Like, you know, there's maybe like 30 minutes of BS, but you're also, yeah. you know, you're thinking about things that maybe you weren't thinking about immediately when you read that book, you're hearing totally. out other people's perspectives. And that's exactly what you should be doing in life as well. Yeah. You know, so absolutely. it's like, it's just kind of like a, a small microcosm of like the social aspects of what, how we should be handling our day-to-day with people and the people that we work with 100%. and our teams. And, and I, and I think that like also
1: old school narrative of New York was like the director is the individual or the VP or the CEO or whatever, and the intern just FedExes. That's how I was an intern when I first started. Like, I was just like, they didn't even know my name. And it was like, go go do the FedExing. That's how I was treated. And in flipping the script in that and inviting everyone at the table to talk about these creative mornings, these creative campaigns, book clubs, some of the most exceptional ideas come from our interns, come from junior staff, come totally. from everyone. Because, you know, one team member has grown up watching a hundred films in a year. And since she was, you know, very little with her father. And so her like cultural knowledge on film is is out of this world and how, you know, her creativity, another is an amazing photographer and has such an eye and studies photography and really recognizes skill sets, the ability to bring that to our work. And so I think it's just like shaking up this narrative of like New York, hustle and grind, like hierarchical way of running a team and just recognize that like a lot of ideas and creativity come from, you know, early stage entry level
0: individuals. I have this conversation with a lot of my friends that have teams or businesses. And I like always say to them, like, it's something that somebody said to me once. And I just say, let them be great. Yeah, Like, just let them be great. Totally. Totally. You can say no, yeah. but let them be great. Let them come to you with the ideas. Yeah. Like, give them that autonomy. Let their freak flags yes, fly. totally. Like, everyone has all of these different experiences in life. They have different passions. Mm-hmm. And, like, could you— like? I know that I I wasn't always able to let my freak flag mm-hmm. b- fly and to, you know, be exactly totally. who I wanted to be. And I always now as like, I'm getting older and further along in my career and I'm able to mentor people and be like a, a leader of the team. I always just say that I want to be the person that I didn't have. Mm-hmm. Totally. And there's nothing more rewarding than like being able to do that. Yeah. And to have these people that work with me, and never say for me, absolutely not. Yeah. But to have them say like, thank you for giving me the space to like even feel comfortable enough to speak in a meeting, you know, like I've been, I've worked in places where they like, literally, if I open my mouth, I get like, you know, the side eye and, uh, you know, there's nothing worse than, than that. But I think that there's just, there's so much to learn from Gen Z, by Mm -hmm. the way. No, absolutely so much to to learn. So I think that that's so amazing that you're nurturing all of these, you know, women and giving them the space and the autonomy. And I'm so excited (laughs) to see where everything goes for you. I think it's, you know, obviously you've had this Tremendous success. She's a mom. She's got a business. She does it all. And I also heard you cook. I mean, we're, we're running out of time. So I don't want to take all your time. But I That's heard you're like, like, you know, you're huge into into cooking. Yeah. You went to culinary, like, yeah. in all of this, uh, you went to like a culinary boot camp or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> like,
1: Yeah. Basically a couple of years ago, I I found a school in Paris. It's the best cooking school in the world. And they had a four week intensive every day from eight to like 4 PM learning the fundamentals of French cooking. And it was like the best decision of my life. I was nuts because I was going to this school from like eight to four and then getting online and working in the evenings. And, you know, I don't recommend that to anyone because there's definite burnout. But for those four (laughs) weeks, it just like fueled my passion. And talk about like, practice what you preach. I can't say like, go to yeah. these creative mornings and prioritize, you know, your passions outside of work and then not do that myself. So yeah. I think in showing my team, hey, I'm doing this course and I'll be on at 10 a.m. New York time. And this is, you know, I'm I'm carving out space for this. It really like led by example so that they can see it's not just like a fake policy, you
0: know. <laughs> Practicing what you preach. Yeah. I love that. Last question for you. Yes. The best piece of advice you've ever gotten. Oh my God. Oh my god! It's the easiest, but it's the best question.
1: Um, <laughs> I think it goes back to something my dad always has told me that your reputation takes like a lifetime to build and a split second to fall. Mm. And, and it goes back to like this notion around integrity and relationships and like all of these like values that I really find important, but it is just so... I've seen it happen time and time again, where it takes a long time to to be that person where 15 people are referring you. It did not happen overnight. It yeah. really takes time to build up that reputation. But with one, you know, false decision, it, it can just fall instantly. So just the importance of like really nurturing and
0: maintaining yeah. that was... That's the relationship nice. piece again. Like yeah. exactly like you said before. Well, thank you so much. This thank was you. so fun. And like so I said, I, I can't wait to see all that's to come for dialogue and for dial in. Yeah. Thank you. So um so much. everybody stay tuned for that. And where can they find you on the internet?
1: <laughs> uh, probably Instagram, Julianne Fraser. My handle is best. Dialogue NYC is our Instagram account and, and website as well. So
0: Fabulous. Well, please go take another five weeks off. You yeah, deserve it. No,
1: I definitely, yeah, that was, that was wild. And I've definitely been able to take a to little joy <laughs> after, after
0: that. But. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. You. Bye everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening to World Your Oyster. I'm so excited that you're here and I cannot wait to continue growing on this journey with you. If you enjoyed this episode, I hope that you'll subscribe here, wherever it is that you might be listening. And why don't you go ahead and follow us on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and YouTube at World Your Oyster Podcast. We also have an awesome newsletter. So I hope that you'll visit us there at www.WorldYourOysterPodcast and hit subscribe as soon as you get to our website. Don't forget. We'll see you next Friday. Bye.